Hi, I'm Adam Murray. Subtle Disruptors is about pondering two questions. What does it mean to live well in this moment, given the context within which we find ourselves? And how can we shape the world we live in so that it becomes closer to the one we want to inhabit? I do this by talking with people who you probably haven't heard of, but who I think are embodying a fascinating response to these two questions and doing it in a way that involves subtle changes all of us can make. I want you and I to get as much as possible out of these stories and to feel encouraged, connected and resolute in our own quests of subtle disruption. You know, let's say the last 200 years about art and music and and how we tell stories. So not just storytelling, but the, the output, like how we're doing it. All of the things that really moved them forward was grassroots experimentation and people, you know, like the blues, what they that was not written by, you know, formal artists or people with formal training. They were people sitting on a porch, messing around, playing instruments, making up their own instruments and sharing songs. And then they just kind of spread around organically that way and then it became something that was recorded and then it was amplified by something that you could share so a piece of technology like a record or whatever you know hey it's adam murray here thanks again for listening in this week my mind goes to all the discussion around vision mission purpose values a lot of that's at the corporate level and at all at businesses across the different sizes and sectors important work is done there that shapes how a business looks and, and what people use as their guide to to know what that business is all about and what it really stands for. I've done a bit of this for my own life as well and I'm sure many of you listening have too. One thing that's been ticking around in my mind and, I, and, and was the topic of my conversation this week is how do we make them stick? How do we get the emotion to them? How do we make them move people and move ourselves how do they all tie together in a coherent way megan is my guest for this week megan davis and she helps people and organizations develop their narrative and their story Um, because for her and and what she's seen is that this is the most effective way for getting things like values and purpose and what the core of what we're on about getting those things to stick in people's minds enabling them to bring a group of people together create coherence in their mind Um, and awesomely she did this for me during the interview live during the interview and I found it a really valuable process so I hope you enjoy listening to Megan Davis on the subtle disruption of using narrative to connect Megan my first question is where are we and why have you chosen this place for our conversation oh okay okay so we're at Nest co-working space in Thornbury and this was the first professional workspace I worked out of when I first started my business. A lot of the decisions that I've made in my business at that very initial early period were helped formed by the people in this space. Yeah. Um, one of them in particular was Jay, who's the owner, and I have this program I've been running for many years now called Twitterversity. And he came up with the name Twitterversity. Yeah. And it's basically teaching people about Twitter, right? Yeah. And that was more when I that was when I had a more solid social media focus with the business, but now it's shifted into storytelling. Okay. But I, it's one of those programs that I'll probably always run if asked because I love it, and I, I've had I have a lot of fond memories with the program. Like I've went around the world teaching it, and yeah. Storytelling, and you know, so yeah, that's that's. That's why we're here. 
Yeah. This is so the beginning, the beginning. I've been, as I was mentioning to you earlier, I have recorded a podcast here before with Ken yeah. Elliott. Yeah. Who I think is, does work out of here now a little bit. Yeah, but he it does. Was more about the weekly service that meets here mm. on a generally a weekly basis. Mm. You've been how long at Nest? So three years. I mean, it was right when it opened and I think it's been open for at least three years, if not a little more. Yeah. 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 I was interested in what you said about um, being in this space. You, you kind of didn't say the, the decisions that you made have been made here, but they've sort of been made in conjunction with the people here as yes. well. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the definition of co-working, right? You yeah. start understanding things from a totally different context, one that you don't have because it's outside of your business or just hearing other people talk and and then you jump into the conversation or, you know, there's a lot of organic exploration that happens of ideas, whether you want them to happen or not. Sometimes <laughs> you feel like, oh, did you hear it? Oh, did you hear that? Never mind. You didn't, you don't want to know more about that, you know? And so yeah. it's, yeah. But no, it's like the, the healthy kind of conversations and yeah. I mean, this, this is kind of a segue into something that, that, I've been having this conversation with a lot of people over the past couple of weeks, but it's essentially around how these new things, like these new ways of working and new economy and sharing economy is actually quite archaic. (laughs) And we're just going back to what we've always been doing. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So in the past, everything was co-working because there was only limited supplies of everything. So you'd go over to wherever you needed to go to get like the horseshoe or get the bread or you know, but everybody was there getting the bread or getting the horseshoe. There wasn't like Kmart <laughs> yeah. or like five different places where you would choose the one that you wanted to go to. There was the one thing. You went to the one thing and then everybody met there. And that's where ideas were exchanged and yeah. new things were, you know, you learned who needed help and you would go over and you'd just help them or, um, you know, I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere in Michigan and and co-working and sharing economy was just the way we lived. <laughs> yeah. It didn't have a name. It was just taking care of your neighbor or um, surviving. Yeah. Right. You know, you traded or bartered food. You, um, if somebody was got hurt on the farm, then everyone just went over and helped. If somebody's house burned down or a barn burned down, you just went over and helped and you did what you could for them. Everything, yeah. And if you needed help with something, you know, you'd call up someone and say, hey, we've got this problem in, with these animals or this field or this, we can't figure out what's going on. Yeah. People would just come over and you'd collectively just figure it out. And it was just expected that you would do that. And mm. then you would just share knowledge as you needed to. Yeah. There's a book that I read called Debt, The First 5,000 Years. And it talks about, you know, different systems of... Um, I guess economies and money and uh, it talks a little bit about that kind of village village setup where you do just help people and there's not an exchange you're not buying things or buying services yeah. but you're helping people because or you're giving people things or they're taking things from you because there's just a common knowledge or common understanding that you're going to need to do the same or they're going to need to do the same at some point as well and it's yeah. all going to even out yeah. yeah yeah it all comes out in the wash yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, all this new stuff is actually just really old stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
it, it was funny. I was, I uh, actually, I don't. Do you know Pete Williams, Center for the Edge? Yeah, the I do. Yeah. yeah. So I had a meeting with him a couple weeks ago, and he had. It was really funny because we were, we had like very similar conversation to what we just had, and then um, you know at the end he was kind of like you know, so how much further can we take this? And as far as like how much further can we go back to the way we were and it's it's like technology that's allowing us to do that in really unexpected ways. What what did you start thinking about? Like what aren't we doing now that we could start doing? It could take us back even further. Well, this could segue into storytelling actually (laughs) because this is, you know, this is what I do. It's my thing, right? But... What I find really interesting is about being about being released into like these these old ways or going back to something that that used to be really valued and then got kind of taken away from us. So like storytelling and music and art became these really refined things that only certain people did. And if you weren't very good at it, you wouldn't show it to people or whatever. Yeah. But the really, you know, if you look back at all of, you know, let's say the last 200 years, about art and music and and how we tell stories so not just storytelling but the the output like how we're doing it all of the things that really moved them forward was grassroots experimentation and people you know like the blues what they that was not written by you know formal artists or people with formal training they Mm. were people sitting on a porch messing around playing instruments making up their own instruments and sharing songs and then they just kind of spread around organically that way and then it became something that was recorded and then it was amplified via something that you could share so a piece of technology like a record or what you know yeah and then once but then once that became super refined it, there seemed to be like this finite about amount of music that you would know all all the music that was out and popular at the moment Mm -hmm. and then it's kind of gone back to this thing where it's like there's too much we'll never know all the music that's being produced because so many people can do it and do it well and get it out there yeah um and my actual my feeling on this is that that was the way it used to be we just didn't know that everybody was making (laughs) yeah because nobody could talk to each other but they were in their little communities in their homes like just sitting down just writing songs song after song after song and now people are just writing song after song after song, but we know they're doing it because they're collecting it somewhere and showing it online. Yeah. But that's my feeling. That's that we've just gone back to what we'd always been doing. And now we're feeling overwhelmed because we're aware of it, but it was already <laughs> probably happening and we <laughs> didn't feel overwhelmed yeah. because we weren't aware of it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I guess you could say similar things about blogging as well. Like it, yeah. it's like a, like a diary mm. that everyone was probably doing. Yeah. Well, lots of people. And now... We're all aware of it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So let's um, cut back into storytelling. Right, then. yeah, because yeah. I didn't actually go into it, did I? I got distracted by music. That often happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> storytelling. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So how did you... Yeah. Tell me about your... Tell me about the story of storytelling for you. So I was kind of referencing music as an analogy, but um, I see storytelling, and, and for you, you know, you're talking about blogging. So it is these really powerful personal stories that everyone has and now we're entering this time and space where it's very easy for us to share them but also there's I think a lot of permission around sharing them there's not as much judgment or it has to be perfect or has to be this super Mm. refined experience 
we are starting to really value that something that feels raw and emotional and in the moment and there's not as much judgment on production, right? And I've seen some really beautiful moving stories that people have shared, for example, on Facebook and you know, it's a two or three minute video explaining something that's happened to them or someone else and at the end you're like choked up like, God, that was amazing, right? But, but you're not judging the fact that it was made on an iPhone with like probably very bad lighting or you know, sketchy yeah. sound quality. You're, you're purely judging the content of what is being shared and that, that bravery and that authenticity behind it. And so um, part, of, part of my practice with my business is helping individuals within usually organizations and, and businesses find their individual stories so that we can collect them together and create an ongoing narrative of the experience of what's happening with that business. Yeah. Because those authentic stories and the, that ability to convey on a, in a realistic, on-the-ground way what's going on is got a lot more traction with people because it's about other people than cold, hard, like marketing slogans or, mm. you know, like a really beautiful website. Yes, of course, these things are important. Having a good snappy, like, tagline or a beautiful logo, these are all important, but... Um, as far as creating something really memorable, it is that human experience. How are people, without doing this, how are, well, how are people understanding their organization at the moment? Yeah. So uh, I talk to a lot of people who say, th- this, I hear this over and over, they're like, we are so good at helping our clients tell their story, but we are terrible at telling our own story. And then my response is always that they are act probably not terrible at telling their own story, that their story probably just lacks an editor yeah. or a consistent narrative thread, which again, an, an editor would help provide. Yeah. The problem is not that we don't know how to tell stories, it's that we have too many because we're just story creatures. Yeah. We're just formulating stories and recording stories and thinking about stories. That's how we communicate, understand, interact, connect. So our problem is we've got so many that we we don't know how to quantify it in a way that's meaningful for a particular target, especially out, you know, from within yourself. You know, an editor has to be sitting outside of a project, right? The writer writes, the editor edits. Yeah. And they cannot, it's very hard for a writer to edit their own work because it's, who was it who said, kill your darlings? I can't remember which writer it was, but you know, that's what it feels like. Mm. It's, your, it's yours. Correct. You, you know, yeah. you've made it. You it's love it. There's a lot of it. attachment there. Yes. Yeah. And you cannot disconnect yeah. in, a, in the way you need to. And it's the same for them that, that having, not having the way to step away in a way that um, they can trust. Because mm. you're always probably going to be second guessing. I mean, I have a hard time telling my own story. I always have to say, use people as mirrors. You know, like, what do you see here? What are you hearing? Mm. And then they'll pick out things and I'll think, of course, yes, so obvious, but you can't see it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I think that's what people frame as a common problem. I can't tell a story, but the actual problem is you just have too many good ones. Yeah. You need help yeah. selecting them. And when you come into an organization, how do you, how do you know if they're doing this well or not? Right. So... If they're doing it really well, 
they are not having problems selling what they're doing to to their clients, right? Where w people are struggling is they're, in, this is in particular within innovation spaces or research and development spaces within businesses or even their creative arms. Because what happens is got all these amazing conceptual thinkers and they're out there just dreaming and exploring and and then in order to sell that you have to have a very quantifiable package a product or service that then can be measured via a set of you know KPIs or outcomes and it's it's like taking something like beautiful soft and warm and then stripping it down to like this really hard thing and that can feel really difficult mm. and especially as a creator again you don't have that emotional distance on the thing that you've created this brand new shiny amazing beautiful thing mm. so where they where they're struggling is how do i convey this new thing that no one's experienced before in terms that people are going to understand and then also amplify those benefits of this this new thing and so for me, that answer is an experience. Mm. So that's what stories ultimately are. They're just a shared experience. So you build an experience that you invite these clients or prospective clients into yeah. to share with you. And then through that experience, they then walk away and say, oh, I mm. understand. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're going through... Well, can you talk us through a real-life example of an organization where, mm. yeah, you've worked with, where you've come in done this kind of work and the change that you've seen yeah. in them. Yeah. Yep. So I did I did some work with the city council um, and they had a, a... Melbourne City Council? No, no. A so city council? It was a city council. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. Just because I don't know if I can say. Yeah, that's fair enough. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a city council and I went in to help them with um, a group of... I would say they were advocates for... Um, change around accessibility for people with disabilities on public transport. Mm. And they wanted to go out there and start telling their stories. So, you know, on the surface, you'd think, well, why is that hard? Why would that be hard for somebody to go, look, this is really hard. Like, my life is severely being impacted by some very poor choices, and we need to fix it. You wouldn't think that this would be an issue, right? But the 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 issue was is that there needed to be a really really clear way to get people's attention, because telling somebody that life is hard, for example, in a in a wheelchair that doesn't live in a wheelchair that doesn't have to think about that, they might have empathy, but they won't be surprised, and it won't get them thinking deeply. Mm. So it's like, how do we get people's attention? How do we make them start thinking differently about what it means to be this another, you know, somebody in a different situation? Yeah. So we came up with the narrative of the environment is disabled. So the environment's disabled, mm. and it needs to be changed. Yeah. It has it has issues. There's things not right. How do we change them? And then through that, understanding that this is something that if you say it, it's going to stop you because you're going to think, wait, what? The environment's disabled. What's, what's happening? What's going on with the environment? Like, tell me more about that. Yeah. And that's the, that's the secret sauce of any story is there's enough tension in the initial 
statement or there's enough tension in the narrative itself to get people hooked and, and interested and they want to hear more. And so then once they understood how to frame it, frame that tension, then they have the, the attention of the, of the audience to go further and deeper. Yeah. So this is how, this is my experience and this is how I would like to see it change because it's going to differ for every person. They're all right. Yeah. And they're all working towards the one goal with the narrative. Yeah. To change the environment. So they're all, through the story, they're getting on the same page as well and using the same kind of language. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of clarity for them. Yeah. And that clarity and that cohesion that creates their own culture. As humans create culture very quickly, right? Like two people forming a new relationship have their own culture. Yeah. Right? And people who come to a co-working space, Nest has its own particular culture. Every group of people, you put them together, they won't be like any other group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's just two people, they won't be like any other two people together. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, and how we build culture is stories. Yeah. Hmm. And so what does it actually, what does it look like? What does you working with these groups look like? Like, is there a lot mm-hmm. of people sharing their stories with you in a, yeah. in a group setting? Or, you know, what, what form does it take? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, usually there's um, a workshop. And that workshop is about educating people around what is a story and what is a narrative. And then creating the narrative of what they're trying to achieve together so that that's very strategic place that they all are and what they're working towards for the future because the narrative is about what's happening going to happen yeah right like game of thrones who's going to win the throne right that's a very clear narrative that's why this show is so successful despite its complexities it's actually very simple Mm. yeah and then we so we outline what is the narrative that we're all operating under and where we're where we're moving towards and then there's training around how do you build your story so that you fit. So you're one of the little stories going on within that narrative arc or yeah. cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And then we collect them and then the output can be anything from content like or content marketing content, but it's all story driven to uh, presentations, to verbal speeches, to you know, any videos, explainer videos, a lot of explainer videos are good, but then they're also lacking a story. They're actually just giving you facts, mm. but there's no emotional hook. And, you know, nothing, I, for me, you know, information without story is just, it, it doesn't stick. Like, you can't remember it. You can remember the story, but you can't remember the information. Yeah. So it's like how many dwarves were there? Seven. Right, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, if you connect the story to numbers, then you never, you don't forget the data. Yeah. 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 So it's all these. There's so many outputs, but it's effective. It's just about being effective when you're communicating, creating a sticky message, creating a problem to be solved all the time. That's the story as it evolves should always have that. What and then what happened? Yeah. And then what happened? And then what happened with its tension? Yeah. But for yourself, has what's why have you got into this? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was an accident. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was about four years ago, someone came to me and said, can you, can you help me tell stories? I need to learn how to tell stories and 
can you train me? Can, you, can I hire you to train me on how to mm. tell stories? And I was like, oh, so that's like a thing? Like people will pay for that? Because I'm thinking everyone can tell a story. Like you don't need someone to, you don't need to pay someone to do it. But like, I thought, yeah, okay, sure, why not? Let's, let's give it a try. So, and they came to you because they liked the stories that you told? Is that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So because they saw the content that I put out. So that was when I was just doing social media stuff. Yeah. But all the social media stuff, I was just organically creating stories. Like, just that's the way I did it. Um, and so people came to me because they wanted that type of content. Mm. Um, and then through that, I met people who were like, oh, well, you can just teach me how to tell a story, like verbally tell a story or, you know, put one together. And I was like, oh, sure. Yeah, why not? Let's do that. Yeah, let's do it. So I did, so I did that and then um, realized that, you know, the, the power of storytelling was much greater than even I had given it credit or how I was treating it. And then as the business evolved, storytelling has become the product. And then the deliverables have varied, mm. but it's just getting deeper and deeper into creating strategic narratives so that people can move in the same direction, really. Yeah. Yeah. And then the content that gets generated is all referencing that that overarching narrative. Yeah. 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 There's a I've I've come across a couple of storytellers before. One in Canada called Marsha Shandor. Okay. And uh, she does some yeah she does some pretty interesting stuff similar to what you're doing like storytelling coaching as okay. well. And it's, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's it's really interesting stuff and. I guess there's, there's like some storytelling, I'm getting a little bit off track probably to what you're talking about, but there's some forums where you, you can go and tell your story. What's it called? The Moth? Yeah, The Moth. I yeah. love The Moth. Yeah. 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 Do you tell us about that. Yeah. yeah. Have you done that before? Um, I've, never, I've never actually told the story at The Moth. Um, I'm more of just an avid, avid fan and listener, and I, I've gone along. And it was more of, I think, just... I just love hearing stories and I just, um, I can't get enough of them and just like the bravery of somebody getting up in front of someone and, and, and sharing an experience and just, uh, yeah, like I just find people amazing and the stories that, that are sitting inside all of us are, are fantastic and they have so much power and it's those individuals sharing these individual moments in time and space and our thoughts and feelings it's it's inc- it's just incredible. I, yeah, I mean, I, I fail to sometimes even put it into into words myself how how transformative it is. But just um, you know, everybody sitting there and listening to this one person, hanging on their every word, regardless of how polished or how smooth or you know professional or something. I guess the story sounds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Again, it's just that raw authenticity. Yeah. That permission. Yeah. That I think we, again, used to always feel, but somehow got taken away from us. And now we're like, reclaiming, we're it. reclaiming it. Yeah. Yeah. So for people listening who might be thinking about this, say for their own little business or their, mm. their organization or themselves as an individual. Yeah. What, really practical things can they do to start start this process yeah yeah so yeah using their individual stories to create something bigger than themselves really hooking into this 
yeah. this collective experience of humanity. Yeah. Um, so I think one thing to remember is never discount the power of your story. So what, what happens a lot, and I'll just talk about this in terms of clients, is when I speak with clients, they'll say, why would anybody want to hear about that? This, I mean, it's so boring. It's what I do day in and day out. I'm like, because you are doing it day in and day out. Yeah. It is interesting to everyone else. I mean, stuff that seems mundane to you is super interesting to so many people. You would be surprised. And so then, you know, it's, it's partly about how you portray it, right? Um, you want to make sure it's short and snappy and to the point, you know. But think about what you're doing. Think about the things that you've done in your life. And um, if you want to test out, is this interesting, just ask somebody, hey, would you like to hear something about X, Y, Z? And if they say, oh, so I didn't know you did that, or, oh, so when did that happen? Or, you know, if they have an, an immediate question yeah. right away, they, they're interested. If they just say, oh, okay, sure. Prob that's probably actually not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> a, a good story starts with a with a question in its in its own right. It, it has to be solved. So if the next if you say if you want do you want to hear about this and they say oh so was that or did you do that or when did this happen, then you know you've got an interesting angle on on what you've done. It's really about finding the interesting angle on it, not the fact that it's probably not a good story. Um, Alex Bloomberg, who, as a podcaster, I'm sure you know who he is, Gimlet Media. Yes. Yeah, okay. So Alex Bloomberg is like a master storyteller, and he's building an entire, he's building this media empire on it. And, yeah. And he has a formula, and it's X plus Y equals your, your story, your story hook. So X is a story subject, a person, place, event, thing, a noun, and the why is something interesting, unexpected, and relevant to the audience, so whoever you're speaking to. So you have to tell somebody something unexpected. Get their, surprise them, like shock them with how interesting it is. But you have to dig a bit sometimes to find out what that interesting thing was. So like going back to the people that I, that I shaped the narrative of the environment is, is disabled, mm. you go back to that, and that's interesting because we don't expect you to say the environment is disabled. You would expect someone who said, you know, I'm in a wheelchair and that makes my life really hard. You would expect them to say that. Yeah. But giving them this flipped around version is an unexpected statement. So just dig a bit deeper. Find something that surprises you. you should, mm. It should stop you and you go, oh, actually, that is interesting. Yeah. And then explore that a bit more and then tell a story that supports that statement. And I also talk about stories in terms of a loop. So you should always close the circle because we like things to feel complete in like a little package. Yeah. So if you're telling a story, um, like my mom told me a story about road safety when I was a kid. So she said, always look both ways before you cross the street. And then she would build out the story. So the story was that she lived next door to a little boy he used to play ball in his front yard. One day he was playing ball. The ball got away from him. He ran into the street. He didn't look both ways. He got hit by a car, broke his leg, missed his own birthday party. <laughs> and that's why you always look both ways before you cross the street. Yeah. So that went full circle. 
And it's, it's just supporting that initial statement. So while the initial statement of always look both ways before you cross the street isn't interesting, it doesn't have to be if you're trying to explain a lesson to like a child. But the reason why that story worked, and I, I never forgot it, is it's A, simple, B, it reinforces the message really clearly, and C, it's relevant to me as, a, as like a five-year-old when I heard it, somebody missing their own birthday party that's something I could understand. Like, that is the worst thing that could happen to you as a kid. Yeah. That is horrible. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you, you do not want to miss your own birthday party or any birthday parties, but especially not your own birthday party. Yeah. So that, you know, that was something that always stuck with me and I always remembered. And so that's something, you know, again, that stickiness of it. If it's really relevant to your audience, they will remember it because it's so important. It's like little kids are like, don't miss the birthday party, don't miss the birthday party, don't miss the birthday party, <laughs> <That's> right? right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Did I answer that question? I think maybe I did. Yeah. So, in terms of, uh, like, in these workshops, I like, say I asked you now, mm. can you help me? We could do this live. Okay. Ooh, okay. That's exciting. Let's do it. Yeah? Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah. Unexpected. <laughs> Everyone surprised? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit surprised too. I think I need some help telling stories. Okay. What, yep. what kind of parameters do you need from me to help you? Okay. So let's, let's put some context into this. So mm -hmm. you need help telling stories to who in particular? I think I need help. Okay. So this is a real life example. Mm. So I think one day I'll be a solo consultant. Mm. At the moment, I'm working within a consulting company. Mm -hmm. I think where I'm going is doing, yeah, being a, a solo consultant. But I'm, at the moment, I'm struggling to properly articulate what that would look like or what that would be or what, who people would understand me to be in that. As a solo operator. Yeah, as a, yeah like a, yeah, a solo consultant who goes to organizations. I don't know yet. I'm not... I don't know how to articulate that, what I would do or what, yes. you know, what would people come to me for? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're really looking for your unexpected superpower talent. Yeah. I think I, I think I kind of know what it is. Okay. So you'll have to tell me that. You'll have yeah. to give me something a so bit I, more. Okay. So I think the stuff I really want to do is to, to kind of go into organizations and to like, get a sense of them, feel the environment, mm -hmm. like, talk to people, read some documents, have some discussions, get a sense of where they're at, mm. and then come up with a plan because they're getting me in because something's not quite right. Yes. They might be at a stage where they're just about to grow or they want to, they've got to a certain point, but they're having trouble getting to the next point. Mm -hmm. Particularly, probably, mainly digital businesses. Okay. Software businesses. Mm -hmm. And... I come in and I'm able to understand what they do over a period of time and then come up with some clear recommendations for how they should move forward and then actually help them implement that okay. as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so you've just given me a list of things. Yeah. Which is not a story. No. Nope. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, because there's no message associated with it yeah. and there's also no context so I can't place you anywhere in a time and place yeah and I also didn't get any kind of emotional reaction from that yeah so so you didn't even try to tell a story so I'm not bagging the story I'm just putting it into context of you didn't at just right then that you did not attempt to tell a story that was not a story you were yeah. just conveying some information yeah 
So to, in order to put that into story context, you have to make me understand how I'm going to feel. We have to have an experience together. Yeah. So how am I going to feel working with you? Right? So hmm. where, where is a time and place that you can take me, something that happened, mm-hmm. and for real, mm-hmm. in your real life, yep. where you help somebody bridge the gap from A to B, by working with them mm-hmm. and it might not be even in digital like growth of, of growth of a digital business yeah sure but it could be any situation where you help somebody go from a to b and there was an, an, a huge amount of growth from that that step yeah and how did that make you feel and how did that make the other person feel yeah i can i i moved to sydney in 2007 mm-hmm and I was working in IT prior to that and I started working in a co-working space, running a co-working space, which was called a serviced office thing. Co-working didn't exist at that point. Right, yep. And it was called the office space in Surrey Hills and it was in a little bit of disarray. It was a friend of mine who had founded it and he was actually my next door neighbour as well and his general manager had just left and they weren't, they were making a loss and things were disorganized and it was just a bit of a schmuzzle. And so he asked me to come in as the general manager and I, it was awesome for me because I was looking for a way to get out of IT. Right. Superfluous fact, I guess. (laughs) And I, I spent, you know, the first month just understanding what was going on, shadowing him, getting a sense of the financials, the, the sales process, all the things about that business. And then after about a month, I came up with a plan for this is what we're going to do to get this place organized and get it back on track. Mm. And then over the next year, implemented that plan and turned us into a profitable business. So that was a, it's a bit of a longer term story than I guess what I'd like to yeah. do in yeah. the future, but that's, that's an example. Okay. Yeah. So we'll drill down into that, yeah. what you just told me. So now I want you to pinpoint an exact moment. So the power of stories are that somebody, the storyteller... Let's say, for example, Shakespeare. All we ever have is w- this one moment. That, that every moment that slips away, right? Yeah. Unless you're a master storyteller and you define that moment so well that it, it goes beyond the, the reach of your imagination and anyone else's, that it lives on and on and on. Hmm. So great writers or great storytellers, for example, Shakespeare, has defined a moment in time so well that their stories don't die. So, you know, near, is it nearly 400 years ago, right, that, that Shakespeare was writing? He, he, you know, now we have the pop-up globe theater in Melbourne, yeah. and I can go see Othello, or I can go see uh, Much Ado About Nothing, because he was able to define Elizabethan culture and mores and humor and what they believed about the world so clearly. He captured that moment so clearly that it will never die. Charles Dickens, you know, for example, was able to encapsulate Victorian culture so concisely that it will never die. Elizabeth, um, or Jane Austen, sorry, defined the marriage plot of, of you know, is that Jacobean? I'm not sure. Wait, sorry, no. What time? <laughs> um, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> oh, shoot. I normally can do this really well, but not today. So Jane, someone will listen and go, oh, it was the da-da-da. 
Anyways, so right, so you know, Jane Jane Austen was able to define the marriage plot and the way that that people understood and interacted with the concept of marriage in her time so clearly that it has never died. Yeah, We're, we we cannot relate to it in an experiential level because we we don't live in that time and marriage is something drastically different now. But we understand exactly what it was like for her and her cohorts or, or her society and culture growing up where she did in England at the time yeah. she did. So do you understand the power of defining a moment? If you can really yeah. define it and capture it, then you become Shakespeare, you become Jane Austen, you become Charles Dickens, you... Um, let's, let's throw in a great Australian writer because I've just referenced a whole bunch of like British people. Um, Tim Winton. Tim Winton. Yeah. You become, you define it so clearly that anyone in the world, anyone in the world can read Tim Winton and understand what it was like to be in Australia, let's say in 1950, living in the suburbs. You will always, you will understand it without ever having experienced it. Yeah. So you need to drill down within that experience of working in this co-working space yeah. to a particular moment where, for example, maybe uh, this guy you were, that hired you was saying, yeah, but this isn't working, this isn't working, and, it, and then you said, yep, and you know why? It's because of what you just said, Yeah. right? You just explained it in that one sentence, and that encapsulates everything that's wrong with what's happening here, and then I'm going to tell you why, and then X, Y, Z. Right, so it's like, what can you think of a moment that so clearly defined what was wrong that you could provide the answer as to what was right? There must have been an aha light bulb a thing that was like, oh, that was yeah, it. I guess so. There was um, like there was a moment where so I first came into the office and like there was no handover from the old general manager and like things were a mess. Like there was just invoices everywhere. There was clients coming in to do sales tours. There was, like, I, it was just to get my head around. Coming from a really corporate background into that, it was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on mm. here. Like, this is a mess. And mm. so I just started where I knew I needed to start. And just by writing everything down that I knew needed to be answered or was a, I, I could do. And I put them into a list. I put them into a spreadsheet. I put them into categories and I prioritized them and then I got the the founder in and I said this is where things are at mm. and took him through it and got answers to a whole lot of things and cleared a whole lot of things up and came up with a plan I'm like okay and this is what I'm doing next and I remember him sitting there saying you know what I feel safe I feel safe with this business for the first time in a long time that's your story yeah so what you just and this is what's interesting about about first drafts so even if you're just saying something usually you get to the good bit at the very end yeah <laughs> and you just chop that out so it's like when you're free writing you're like writing writing and then you get to the end and you're like, and then it'll like you'll just hit this amazing nugget and you go i'm done because yeah. i just wrote that <laughs> yeah. and you're right like yeah. you've just you've just hit the nail on the head but then you cut that and you put that at the top yeah. so you say so you go into a client you say do you know what i do i make you feel safe in your own business yeah and as somebody, you know, I'm, I'm a business owner. I know what it's like because there are days where you just think, oh, my God, what is happening? What am I going to do? Yeah. Right? And you don't feel safe yeah. in this thing that you've actually built yourself and created. Yeah. You're like, it's destroying me. It's like Frankenstein. It's out of control, yeah. I made this thing and it's out of control and it's going to get me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you're like coming in and you're, and you're saying, 
I'm here to make you feel safe yeah. in your own business. And this is how I do it. Yeah. And then you tell a story. Huh. Right? Cool, yeah. So you could even potentially drill down even deeper into that because I'm sure, you know, it's hard when you're just trying to, you know, like take some time, write it down, and then drill into like a particular moment. Like see something that you saw at that time. See him pick up something. See the book. See see some detail that you can focus on that has some sort of emotional value to you. Mm. Don't worry about what other people will think, but your own emotional value. Because if you assign emotional value to something, other people yeah. will just believe you. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course you would feel that way about that. Yeah. And then, you know, then backward engineer it a bit to find the stories in those moments. And then just reinforce that message of I'm here to be, make you feel safe in your own business. And then there you go. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I got some direction. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to spend a bit more time. Good. Yeah. Email me your story later. <laughs> I will. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I will. <laughs> We're almost out of time. Yep. I've got two more questions for you. Okay. Okay. The first one is about... Um, something that you'd like to be subtly disrupting one day that's mm. different to what you're doing now. Okay. It might be something you daydream about, you know, like I'm going to do that one day, or mm. something you just kind of wish, like I wish someone would just tackle that thing okay. over there. Yeah. Okay. Is there something that comes to mind? I, I'm increasingly interested in what we call emerging technologies, and they are disruptive in their very nature. And I, I guess what, I'm, what I find particularly interesting about them is that they feel like this wild frontier. And I don't think we've felt like we've had frontiers for a long time, other than perhaps space. Mm. But even that feels so remote. Like, like real, are we going to get to Mars anytime soon? Really? Real, you know, <laughs> realistically, is, that really, is this going to happen in five years? I don't know. Yeah. But there's a lot of other things that that are happening really quickly yeah. like with artificial intelligence and and you know virtual reality and i mean these things are are these deep learning these are fascinating and and they already are disruptive so maybe this is a bit of a cheat but what i'd really what i'm really interested in is finding a way for myself to explore that more fully um, I had a r great conversation with someone while, like this is last week as well, and he was talking about how he's got a keynote, and the keynote is on how can technology make us more human. And the way that I see a lot of of these technologies working is that they are that uh, he's right. I think he's right that they are making us more human, and mm. I'm interested in us being released from certain things that weren't working for us. Mm. And and allowing us to kind of get back to to doing what we we should be doing which is taking care of each other you know i think love's a big word but i mean it's you know but but getting back to a space where we feel small and connected and not in like lost and adrift in this huge world yeah and the the more that i interact with people online and people i don't know and and connect with people i realize in fact, we we are actually we are so connected. Like we, it is really small. The, it's ironic, but I feel like the more people I know, somehow I feel like 
they're not that many. Like I keep collecting people, and because but because I find all the common connections, I feel like they're not that many people. Yeah. Which is really weird and ironic. So yeah, and then you feel so connected to these people who are in faraway places because you know someone who knows this person, and you realize how fragile and connected we are. And I and yeah, I feel like any anything that I could get involved in more. And I feel like this this is a new door that's just kind of opening, which I'm trying to open myself. I'm like kind of leaning on it and looking through, and yeah. you know that that yeah, like that's probably that's my new that's my path. Cool. But yeah, yeah, it'll just keep happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's some awesome stuff happening there. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. The last question is about yourself and a subtle thing that you've that you do, or a subtle change that you've made in your own life that's mm-hmm. had an important or significant impact that'd be interesting for other people to hear about. Yeah, so let's, I'll look back in the terms of the last 12 months. So in the last 12 months, I've made a, a lot of changes with the way that I approach value. So I used to, I think, you know, when the person came to me and said, can you teach me how to tell a story? I was like, why would someone hire someone to do that, right? And I didn't assign much value to, to that, to, to for example, storytelling. But then the past 10 to 12 months, I've really looked at what I was doing and then seeing that there's so much untapped value in that and also um, understanding the value in other, in other people that's so untapped. And it all kind of comes through in a lot of our stories and, and us just going, well, this is what I do all day. It's boring. It's this, it's that. No one wants to hear about this. And it's like, no, we do. We, we do want to hear so I've, I've really been examining my relationship with value, and not in monetary terms, but as in actual how much should I give to this or allow this to have influence in my life, like this, this strong, strong value alignment. And the more I do that, the more my, I feel like I'm going in the right direction. Yeah. And it's a totally organic process, but it's just like, yep, that feels weighty, that feels heavy, that feels like it's got a lot of importance and value so I need to give more time to that and then somehow it's like this wave that like I was rolling under it now I'm like coming back up over like you know where the, that part where the surfer wants to get on top I don't know what that's called but that round part you yeah. know it's like it's curling back and then it'll just roll over and then the process will start again so yeah I guess it's like look for value all the time outside of just money but that it just seems to come as well when yeah. you find the right things to value. I really like that. Megan, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. You're welcome. It's been really cool. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with me, the best way to do that is through email to adam at subtledisruptors.com. Thank you so much to the people that do send me emails. I really appreciate the encouragement. I really appreciate the guests that you suggest as well. Many of them have turned into actual guests on this show. So if you do have any suggestions, please send them through. Something else you could do if you can find the time is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or through other platforms that you might use. It's pretty easy to do through the app or through on your phone or on your laptop or computer. I hope you feel a little more encouraged, connected and resolute in your own quest to subtle disruption. And one day, I hope to hear about your subtle disruption as well. Bye for now.